helping business leaders grow themselves, their team, and their profits. This is Andre Leadership. Now, here's your host, Ken Coleman. Coming to you from the Music City, this is the broadcast of leaders, by leaders, for leaders. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. Our feature conversation this episode is with Dina Dwyer Owens. Now, you undercover boss fans might remember her. She's the former CEO of Dwyer Group, an amazingly powerful franchise business. She's got a book out called Values, Inc., How Incorporating Values into Business and Life Can Change the World. So we'll discuss that and so much more. You're really going to love it. And I'm very excited. Oh, my goodness. I get to introduce you to our new vice president of Entree Leadership. Now, for you Daniel Tardy fans, don't freak out. Daniel is still with us. He has now moved on from being a grand poobah to grand poobah emeritus uh, for Entree Leadership. So still involved, but moved up the ladder, and I can't wait for you to meet his more than worthy replacement. So that's going to be fun. And, of course, we're going to bring you some resources that are absolutely free and guaranteed to help you grow yourself, your team, and your profits. All right, let's get right to it. I told you a little bit about Dina Dwyer Owens. Uh, And for the record, those of you who want to go back and watch her episode of Undercover Boss, she was on season three. And of course, our conversation, to my knowledge, I think, Eric, the producer, that this is our first deep dive on values. As we really lock in the entire conversation of values, what do they look like? How do you identify them? How do you fix them? Values, values, values. Sit back or keep pedaling if you're on the exercise bike. Whatever it is you're doing... Make sure that you're listening. Here is Dina Dwyer Owens. Well, Dina, it's great to have you with us. Very exciting to have some folks in our new studio. So welcome. Very nice place. I'm honored to be here with you today. Well, I'm excited because the book that we're going to spend most of our time talking about is entitled Values, Inc. How Incorporating Values into Business and Life Can Change the World. There it is right there. And this is fun because I was talking to you moments before we went live and I don't know that we've had a deep dive conversation on this show about values. So I'm really excited about it because it's a universal word. In the world that we live in, Dina, if I say values to leaders, it conjures up all kinds of things. And if I say, well, what are your values? And everybody's going to have a a quick response and, well, we've got to give something of substance. But the reality is, and this is where I want to start, you wrote this book and you teach so much about this because values in a lot of organizations are just like trophies. There's not a whole lot of active oomph behind them. Why is that? It's so true. I I say that 95% of the companies in North America do nothing with their values once they're written. I think there are some leaders, as you kind of pointed out, who don't see that values translate into financial results. Mm -hmm. I think there are other leaders who spend all this time in strategic planning process, and I'm sure there's lots of viewers out there who have done this, they get clarity about their mission, their vision, and their values, get back to the office and just get back to work, right? <laughs> they don't right. put the values to work. And I think it's mostly because they don't know how, right? We're in franchising. Dwyer Group's a franchise organization. So what does a franchise company do? We take what's most important. We create systems around that so that they can be replicated. People can achieve success because of those systems that have been proven. So I think what they need to do is they need to find a way to how do we take our values and create systems around those values so that they become front and center, they become part of our DNA. Right. 
But you can't create a system around a value if the value isn't being lived out and it's not in front of us every day. So let's let's stay where we were at. So people they go, okay, we're gonna we're gonna say these are our company values, we're gonna put them on the wall, but then they're just things that we like the way they sound. How do you go from really assessing what your values are currently to what you want your values to be? In other words, a lot of times we say these are our values, but if we allow visitors into our organization and they are doing a checklist, they're going, oh, I don't see that value here. Here's what I see are your values. Talk about that reality. Yeah, you've got to be congruent. Yeah. And so if the leader of that organization inherited those values, somebody mm-hmm. who came to an organization that's already existing, right. doesn't have alignment with those values, it's not going to work, mm-hmm. right? So you asked, so how do they get clarity about their values? And I think there's a there's a simple process. We'll talk about this maybe more towards the end, but I've created a workbook called Create Your Culture. So it's a complement to Values, Inc. It's six simple steps for how do you create culture mm-hmm. and how do you make sure your values are truly aligned with who you say you are and how you actually live the values. So it's clarity, and I think it takes team. I think the leader has got to drive the values mm-hmm. and, and live by example, but they've got to get the team engaged. If the team doesn't buy into the values, it will never work. Mm. So I think that, that clarity is key. If you've started the company, you founded it based on this set of values, and yet maybe you've not done a good job recruiting people who are aligned with that, that's another problem. Mm. But you've got to have a leader who really believes in the values and is executing to the best of their abilities because there's no perfect company out there. Right. I, I know we're, we're far from perfect, but sure. you know what? We've got this high bar we've set. Mm-hmm. It's our values. And if we get close to hitting that bar every day, we're doing a pretty darn good job versus having a low bar and meeting it. All right, so we have a lot of small businesses listening in here and watching. If they've not created value statements or just put some values out there in front of the entire organization, they've never done that before, this could feel a little daunting. Let's just start with some basic things, whether they're by themselves at first or they get with their top leaders and they just beat them around for a day. What's the process for beginning to articulate values. Yeah. I think step one of the process, and this is in the Create Your Culture Workbook, is it's simply a, a worksheet of maybe 130 potential values. Mm-hmm. So start with getting that key leadership team to either do it as homework or get around a table and say, for the next half an hour, let's go through this list. You identify what you think our values are by simply circling them. I mean, it doesn't have to be hard. What are those things that you think we really stand for? And then coming together and saying, here's what I wrote. What did you write? Getting up on a board and then just identifying where there's consistency. Mm. And then saying, okay, so how many values do we really want to focus on? Let's say we want to focus on a half a dozen values. So let's agree what those are, right? You've written down what you think is important to us as a company. I've written down what I think is important. Let's bring them together. Let's find alignment. And then let's pick the top six, for example. Mm. And then then, then there's the next step after that. Mm. How important is it from an entrepreneurial standpoint, if if it's a small business that an entrepreneur that's still leading is there, so they're that founder or they're part of that founding family, how important is it when you're walking through values to go back to the original story? To me, that's what I love about small business or, or any big, huge brand that started out. I love the story. And to me, it feels like a lot of the core values, whether we want to keep them or not, but some core values happened in those early parts of the story. Do you agree with that? I do. How do you go mine those? It tells a story. You know, in the case of our company, the company was founded on core values, and we were so small that the leader held us accountable, who happened to be my father, Mm -hmm. right? So as a kid working for a father, I'm sure many listeners and viewers have done that. You worked the hardest, typically, and held most accountable, in our case, to the values. So in, in that setting, 
he'd let us know each day whether you lived up or you didn't live up to the values based on his opinion. But in organizations where you're coming in and you're, you're saying, here are the values, how are we going to drive these home? I think it's having that, that healthy conversation with the team on what would our customers say? Would the customers agree that this is what we're really living? And if they, if they wouldn't agree, how do we go back to the foundation of this company and either rewrite those so it is, in fact, what we're living or step up a bit to be able to live what this company was founded on? I think the foundation, as you said, is, is really mm-hmm. how is this company built? What was it built on? You can't. I don't think you should ever forget that, but sometimes you have to build up yeah. from that. We went from what you might call belief systems, Mm -hmm. right? One of our values was loyalty adds meaning to our lives. That sounds great. And we want loyal team members. We want loyal franchisees. But how do you measure that? Mm. How do you measure somebody's being loyal? That's tough. So our next iteration was how do we take those original beliefs and how do we operationalize them? So we say loyalty adds meaning. What does that look like operationally? How could I measure whether or not Ken was living up to this particular value so that we can hold ourselves accountable to the values as well as holding one another mm. accountable. Yeah, I love what you just said there. And I want to stay there because yeah. the, the idea of, of when you get clear on values, then how do you make sure those values are matriculating throughout the entire organization? So you've got internal functions of the value, then you have external functions, meaning there's a value that's lived out within the four walls. But then for our customers, how do those values come alive in every facet of the organization. To me, isn't that the million-dollar question with values? And it should be the experience a customer has, right? Where they can come back and say, you guys don't just have these on the wall or on the website. You actually live these. I experienced these values. So I think one of the mistakes many leaders make when they come up with their values, they come up with words. Mm -hmm. That's right, because it sounds good. It sounds good. It's lofty. So we believe in respect. We believe in integrity. We believe in honesty. It's like, okay, so what do you mean by respect? Mm -hmm. So I think in order for the customer to have the experience, you've got to define as a leader what you mean by respect. So we've done it at Dwyer, for example, is one of the values under respect is speaking calmly Mm -hmm. and respectfully Mm -hmm. without profanity or sarcasm. Now, we're in the trades businesses, right? right? Not all trades people use profanity, but some yeah. have a bad habit. Sure. Our customers don't want to hear that. So one of our clearly written values is speaking calmly and respectfully without profanity or sarcasm. That is how we show respect to the customer. So mm-hmm. if we're in a customer's home as a service provider and they have an experience with a professional who's in there fixing the plumbing problem or the HVAC problem, they never hear a word of profanity come out of their mouths. That's... Yeah. That's exceptional, mm-hmm. right? That's a different experience. So the customer is going to say, wow, you guys really do live your values. Yeah. But we also tell the customer about our values. So we'll go into that, that situation and we'll educate them on who we are as a company. And then we go back and we measure, right? We do net promoter score. Many of your listeners may also do net promoter score. We ask, how are we doing? Right? Would you promote us mm-hmm. to a friend or family member? And if they won't, then we're likely not living up to our values. So you've got to measure. Yeah that you're living up to them. Yeah, I, I really love this. I, I think if I were to sit down with some folks and try to help them figure it out as a professional question asker, I'm gonna <laughs> ask things like, well, what matters most yeah. to you? Meaning, as leaders of the company, what matters most internally, externally? And we, that's when you really get it, a value, not a word. Right. But if you start with a word, then it feels like you're trying to back the word into our behavior as opposed to going, what behavior should be? Right, and then when we get that answer, to me, then you can maybe look for a word. Yeah, is that experience? I, well, I is that you, the right? I, I think experience? you can do it both ways. I think that if you know that you want to be known as a company that's respectful of your customers, 
you know that that word respect is sure. important to you. Sure. But how do you yeah, what's that look How like? do you demonstrate it? Right. right. I think it's key that those behaviors are clearly identified and yeah. in writing. Yeah. Right. So don't just have the word respect and then expect your team members to live up to that word, not knowing mm -hmm. what do you really mean by mm -hmm. that? You know, we, we work with a lot of millennials today. We mm -hmm. all do. Mm -hmm. And millennials want to be part of a company that has mission and purpose. Yeah. And when you say, look, this is what we mean by respect. Yeah. They're either going to be aligned with your company, what you mean by respect, or they're going to go, yeah, you're not, you're not mm -hmm. for me, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. We'd rather know that now mm -hmm. than before we hire them and train them. So I, I think that you got to know what you stand for, but then have real clarity about what are the behaviors that are attached to that mm -hmm. yeah. word. All right. I want to spend a little bit of time having you talk on two key parts of the leader's role when it comes to values. Communicating, I'm making this up, so if there's something yeah. I'm missing, <laughs> throw it in here. But I think you got to communicate the values over and over again, I want you to speak to that first. And then I want you to come back and let's talk about how to model. Because you could communicate something all day long. I'm a parent and I can communicate it, but if I'm not modeling it, it's not gonna stick with my kiddos. Yeah. Communicating, what works in your experience in communicating values? When you really begin to get serious about this and right. let the people know, hey, these are our values and we're not just gonna talk about them, we're gonna keep talking about them and talk about them and talk about them. How do you do that? That's the key. Talk about them, talk about them, talk about them. You know, I know when I get on the stage or I get in front of a meeting, they're going, we know Dean is gonna talk about values first. Right. So it's that sure. consistency of the leader, mm -hmm. never getting tired mm. of keeping the values again, front and center. So the communication is key. And because we're in franchising, we create systems. The system does it for us. So. Whether Dean Dwyer's around or not, it's not going to matter because Mike Biddle, our CEO, is around, and our chief operating officer is around, and our brand presidents are around, and our front desk employees are around, and they know that I work for a company that has clear values. And anytime there's a meeting of three or more of us, we're supposed to talk about these values. Mm -hmm. So it's creating that system, that habit of not only the leader, the CEO, or founder talking about the values, but it's the habit of you. You call a meeting with three of your team members here. Somebody better make sure we're starting that meeting off with the values. And if yeah. you've forgotten, somebody else better hold you yeah. accountable to, hey, Ken, we're supposed to yeah. talk about the values. And sometimes, you know, in our case, we talk about all 15. That's a lot. Wow. Talk about all 15. Other cases, we'll say, you know, we just got feedback from a customer and we can get better at responding timely. Mm -hmm. What can we do this week to focus on getting better at responding timely? You make it the topic of discussion for that meeting. Many times we'll, we'll kick a meeting off, and, and this is what I advise the, the listeners to do, kick a meeting off by saying, this meeting's about this value. So let's talk about this value first, and then let's talk about how we're gonna do a better job of living it as we work on this project or how we provide this experience for the customer, mm -hmm. whatever it might be. It's, it's that top of the mind, day in and day out in your organization. And, and, and when they really know that it's working is when you and I are having a conflict. And I say, you know, Ken, Let's look to the values for a solution to this. One of my favorites that we have, Ken, is looking to the system for correction mm. and proposing all possible solutions when something's not working. That falls under our integrity. And so if something is not working in this relationship or in this area of our business, it should be automatic in my mind as a leader to say, Ken, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the system. How do we look to the system for correction and make this better next time so neither one of us have this experience again? Mm. So it becomes, again, part of the way you think about your business day in and day out and the relationships and how you solve problems. Mm. And so if as a leader, if you're not modeling, if there's constant communication that you've built in to the culture, and if the leader's not modeling it, it it'll you, never work. Yeah, it just won't work. They get called out pretty fast. They do. Your team will never buy into it. And, I love that. You know, and one of the ways that your, 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 your listeners and viewers can indoctrinate the team into this is uh, modeling something we did. 
we, we gamified our values. So when we took the original core values that our founder created, we operationalized them, it was new to us. It was new to our 125 employees at the time. So we said, let's indoctrinate them by giving them this simple laminated card with all the values on it. And we said, look team, we think this is a solution to keeping our culture special once our founder passed away. He's not here anymore. We need to operationalize the values. Study these values and anytime you catch one of us doing something wrong, give us feedback. The feedback came in the form of a beep. And it's silly and yet it worked, right? Because the employees, course. they love the idea of catching us doing something sure. wrong. So they studied the values more than you would have ever thought. Yeah. They would have studied it and for 90 days, it was like the Roadrunner was racing through our building because it was a verbal beep, literally. You violate a value, you get a beep. Mm. It worked. I can only imagine. So, well, I, what, what was the response from the leadership as they're getting beeped? I mean, give me the good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah, well. Because, I mean, at some point, <laughs> that's got to get on your nerves. One, one of the bad, well, first of all, we got beeped so often that we thought, this is depressing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're terrible. We don't, yeah. we don't live our own values. Instead of getting depressed, though, we said, wait a second, there's an opportunity here. We're that's a pretty right. good company already. That's, what if we really? That's right really live these? How much better could we be as a company? So we had to just laugh because we were beeped so often. So some of the bad though is we had one team member who was beeped and actually flipped an employee off. Mm. Okay. Shot the bird, right? Yeah, you know, you're like, not what you would have expected, no. but she ended up not being right for our company. Of course. So what happened is when we agreed as an organization mm -hmm. that we were going to lead with these values, she self-selected out. Yeah. And great lady, but wasn't right for our team anymore because she didn't believe any employee below her had the right mm -hmm. to give her that kind of feedback. And that's okay, we're not for everybody. And you mm -hmm. have to know that about yourself. When you know what your values are, that clarity becomes alive. Mm -hmm. and, and it works. Yes, I love that. Yeah. It forces this awkward but important reality of, okay, if this isn't you, then you aren't us. And that's right, and that's okay. That's totally It doesn't mean okay. you're bad. Yeah, it this is who us. we are. That's right. Ooh, I like that. That's really fun. Then you use it in the interview process, right? So it's a conversation you're having in the interview process. Sure. It's a conversation during performance reviews. Mm -hmm. It's a conversation when somebody's getting promoted. We're promoting you because mm -hmm. you adhere to our values. Yeah. It really is tremendous accountability. It is. It, that's another buzzword. Oh, accountability. But when you have this kind of clarity and modeling of values, it's just like a giant mirror everywhere. It is. And every day in our business, I could give you an example, every day where I've experienced either me having to hold accountability to myself for violating a value or mm -hmm. another team member where mm -hmm. it's just part of the conversation. Mm. It naturally just comes out. I love that you're a franchising company because in your role as CEO, you can really help explain something to our non-franchisee type businesses. But systems is a word that I'm, I'm a little bit of a freak about because I'm such a sports fan. Yeah. So if you study great teams, you pick the sport, it right. does not matter. But if you study great athletic teams, you will find that they've all got a very healthy culture and they've got great systems. Great systems and yeah. I think they feed off of each other. You know, you can try to create a great culture, but if you don't systematize it, you said that a few minutes ago, That's you right. said we systematize it. Okay, so that being the setup, here you've got the mothership, okay, your company, and then you've got all these different what do you call it? Franchises. Franchise family. Yeah, Thank it's you. a Franchise. family. So these are people that come from outside the business and they say, hey, I want to be a part of it. And you say, okay, but here's the way we do things. And the franchisee has to essentially adopt, this is the way we do it. Right. If they don't do it that way, what happens? 
we try to redirect them, right? Coach them <laughs> to so the system. Polite. Yeah, we, yes. well, we have to, right? Well, because yeah. they're not just affecting their own business and the equity in their own business. They're affecting the right. equity of all the other franchisees in the business. And today, because of our values, we launched an overarching brand called GetNeighborly.com. Mm -hmm. It's a comprehensive platform of home service providers, really. It's one place to go for all your home service needs. Ken, without our values and attracting, the values have attracted mostly the right franchisees to organization. We are not a perfect company. I'll say that 10 million times sure, because we are not. Well, there are no perfect people. But we have, because of our values, attracted the right franchisees mm -hmm. who want to deliver on the values and the brand promise, which builds everybody's equity and creates this amazing customer experience. When a franchisee does not comply with the system and the values, we coach, we coach, and eventually if they don't take the coaching well, we have to invite them to leave. Mm -hmm. We help them resell their business. It's a beautiful thing about a franchise is that there's something there to sell right. or should be unless they've damaged the, the business by not operating it properly. But we help them get out of it and we find somebody else that we think is better mm -hmm. aligned mm -hmm. with our values who truly wants to implement those systems. But the systems, like you said, are, are really the key. Yeah. I They're the secret sauce. Yeah, so let's talk about systems. Yeah. How does a successful franchising company like yours, how do you really succeed? Give me the secrets. How do you make systems work outside of the mothership around people that you can't monitor all the time? How does it yeah. work? Well, it's all about the coaching. So we have franchise consultants, much like you have here at Ramsey Solutions. You know, you're, you're coaching people up. And we have franchise coaches who are responsible for holding the franchisees accountable to the system. Franchisees need to hold us accountable as well, right? There are certain things we've agreed to provide the franchisees. So it's this relationship. It's all about relationships in franchising. So it's all about this relationship and having that constant communication. Uh, we have performance reviews. So it's it's a performance review that's going to help the franchisee look at their business and help them take it to the next level. Well, that benefits them and at the same time helps us understand what's the health of that organization? What's the health of that, that business? Are they complying with the systems that we promised to deliver to the customer? Because at the end of the day, if the customer's not happy, we hear about it. Mm -hmm. And that's when we know we've got a problem if we haven't discovered it on our own. Mm. How often do you change the plays? This is my sports oh. analogy. You know, like this is this is our offense. Yeah. And you don't want some 18-year-old freshman coming in telling you, well, coach, I think we should run the play this way when the coach has won for years and years and years. However, there's always opportunity to iterate, to innovate. That's right. How do you ch change the plays and keep that system fresh? Yeah. We have advisory councils with each one of our franchise brands, and it's made up of key leaders, key franchise leaders in those organizations that are typically nominated by the franchise network that they're part of. And we pick their brains, and we talk about how do we get better, constantly looking at ways to get better, protecting the parts of the system that we know are critical, yet saying, what can we do to enhance this? With technology, there's all kinds of enhancements, and we've got to be open to what the franchisee has to share who's who's out there every day working with the end user customer. We're not. We're sitting in Waco, Texas, or mm -hmm. you know some office around the world supporting franchisees. So we are actually very open to get that feedback, and then we take the collective um, brain trust of the franchisees that are part of that organization and say, "Is this something we should try?" Mm -hmm. And usually we'll test it first, right? Mm -hmm. We'll do a small, quick test. If that test works, we'll expand it within that one brand. If it works really well for that one brand. We'll look at the other sister brands and say, this probably would work here too. Mm. So it's that collaboration, but start with maybe a quick and small test. Try it out. In the old days, we, we made so many errors, right? We'd come up with this great idea. Maybe a franchisee gave us a great idea. And right away, it's kind of like, 
uh, you know, McDonald's burger. All of a sudden, we're going to throw a different kind of onion on this burger. Yes. And you just do it right. without testing it. Mm. And then you think, oh, my goodness. Yes. We just made a huge error. Mm. So the small testing is, has become the way that we try new things out that are an improvement or mm-hmm. appear to be an improvement to the system mm-hmm. without putting ourselves into a situation where it's hard to get, get out of it mm. if, you've, if you've tried something too big mm. without first That's really testing smart. it. That's really good. Yeah. Testing, testing, testing. Yeah. Small, quick. I've gotten several emails over the last year from listeners who have said, Ken, I need some advice on how to lead up on an idea. And I love this question for you specifically because you see it come from franchisees decentralization, posture. I want you to speak as an executive. Mm-hmm. If someone's going to come to you from lower in the organization and, and make a suggestion of a change to a, a system that has worked really, really well, what's the right posture for someone to go up to leadership and say, this needs to change? What's the right way to handle that? Yeah, you know, and, and I am co-chair today of the company. I have a CEO now who has been running the company for three years. What I would say to that team member is thank you. Thank you for having the courage Mm -hmm. to bring an idea to us. And one of our values is to listen with the intent to understand what's being said and acknowledge that what is said is important to the speaker. It took courage for that employee to come to me or Mm -hmm. to come to our CEO with that idea. So I would acknowledge that it took courage. I would thank them for that courage. And if I felt like it wasn't going to be a good fit, I probably wouldn't waste their time believing that that's going to go somewhere else. I might say, uh, based on experience, this is what we what's happened. Um, or I might say, you know, let me bring that to the team. Let me bring that to the uh, the growth team, or to the president's group, or to the the marketing team, and let us let us hash it around. And we might come back to you with some questions. But thank you again for bringing the idea to me, because mm-hmm. when people don't believe you're listening to their ideas, they'll quit bringing you ideas, and and we won't continue to grow as an organization hmm. the way that I like to grow. Mm, that's true. That's really yeah. Good. You stunt the growth when people feel like. You never listen to their ideas. Mm, yeah. There's so much content in the book. I do want you to summarize it. We've covered a lot, but I want you to summarize the book. And I've got a couple of chapters I want to I want to dive into, but I first wanted you to be able to tell our audience what you do for the readers. You walk them through this particular book. Yeah. The main purpose for writing that book, I had an initial book called Live Rich, which is the acronym for our values that I wrote primarily because we were growing so fast as a company to try to to help our new franchisees and our new employees understand who we were. And people started buying that book outside of the company. And then I had people saying, you know, this value stuff is just warm and fuzzy, but I'm not sure it really translates into financial results. So I said, I've got to write a new book. And this needs to be a book that's for the general public. And it's not just for business leaders. This is for any leader, for-profit, not-for-profit. And my point of the book is to help people understand, yes, there is a soft side to values that's all about people. Mm. And I say that when you treat people with respect and dignity, you really live your values. The profits are the applause you get for mm. doing that. And I, yes. I feel that saying from my friend Ken Blanchard. Yes. But it's so true. That's right. So this book talks about, yes, the soft side of people and giving people the respect. But at the same time, it talks about the opportunity to create better financial results. So, yes, there are companies out there that are profitable that don't do a good job at all being moral and ethical, right? Mm, that's right. They can still be profitable, right. but they may not be sustainable. But what if you're a company who had a great product and service, you lived your values, how much more profitable could you be than the company who does not live with their values? Mm. I think you could be much more profitable. And so I point out in the book some very clear data on how it, it's proven to be true. In my own experience at Dwyer Group, we've proven it as well. Yeah. Give us some of those data points. Yeah, well, one of the, one of the biggest ones is a very recent one. So we were publicly traded in 93. 
uh, founder passed away in 94. The company struggled for a number of years. Um, 2003, the public market was becoming much more expensive. Sarbanes-Oxley and all that came up. And we said, let's, let's look at opportunities to go private. A private equity group called the Riverside Company invested in us. Great partner aligned in our values. That was the most important thing that I wanted to find out is, are we aligned culturally before we go into this relationship? And we were. Grew the company beautifully over seven years. A private equity company invests to get a return. 2010, they sold us to another private equity partner that we were very careful in helping select. Uh, By the way, both of those private equity groups didn't have clearly written values when they joined us. Created clearly written values after joining us because they they said it really works. So after going in with the second private equity group, 2010, three years later, the original private equity partner, Riverside, calls me and says, we just raised a $1.5 billion fund, Dina. Having a hard time finding companies to invest in that we believe we can really put our money to good work. And Dwyer came to mind. Mm. We've never bought a company back before in the history of our company, and they're almost a 30-year-old company today. Would Dwyer entertain us buying it back? Three things I mentioned. We love your culture. We love how you really live your values. The growth team, the management team loves what they do and they're great at franchising. And then there's this opportunity for growth at Dwyer that we don't find in most companies. We know we'd have to pay a premium because your current private equity partner is not going to just sell out just because we feel like buying, right? Sure. Three years after we, we, we sold the company to them, they came back and they reacquired us a little over three years later without going into the numbers for sure. double what they sold us for. Wow. And we had had some nice growth with that second private equity partner. Right. But the point of the book is that values translate into value, mm-hmm. financial value as well, if that's you're right. a for-profit organization. That's exactly right. Yeah. I love that. I mean, that's when you go deep is when, when the customer values, not just likes what you sell them right. or what you do for them, but they actually value you. They like you. If not, can we use the word love? They love. I think love's a great word to use. And I think what you create when you have values is you create loving relationships. Mm -hmm. And what happens with those relationships is they multiply themselves. That's right. And referrals, right? Part of your business is is built on referrals. That's right. And those referrals are your least expensive lead source. That's right. But it's because those customers trust you. They love you. They appreciate you. Even when you make mistakes, if you, you, you handle those mistakes with your values at work, they, they overlook those mistakes yeah. and they still refer you. So I think there's this amazing wealth, if you want to call it that, wealth mm-hmm. that's created from those relationships that you've built mm-hmm. because it has this multiplier effect. See, buy the book, read the book, folks, for no other reason than that values create value. They I just do. don't think that's disputable. So you've got all kinds of different companies, Dina, that are listening in right now or, or folks that are watching and they're going, how do I compete against the big boxes or how do I, whatever. Values creates value. Right. They're differentiators. And I always tell our franchisees, I teach every first basic training class, all new franchisees, all new associates coming in. I want to touch them with this message because if they just do a great job of living our values, they are going to separate themselves from the other service providers in their community so fast. And what else happens? They attract the best technicians. That's right. Technicians want to work for the best companies. Oh, yeah. Right. And those technicians refer their buddies who are also technicians, to come to work mm-hmm. for your organization. Mm-hmm. So there's all these amazing um, ripple effects that it happen really when you lead with your values. so important. Yet, here's the reality. Let's just go negative for a moment. Hard. It's hard. It's really hard to yep. do. And a lot of people that are listening in right now will agree with this and they've been shaking their head. Yeah. And then what's going to happen is they get back into the grind and they get so busy 
that they don't look inward, they don't look up, they don't look out. I mean, you talk about vision and purpose and mission statements. Values have to drive all of that. How do we avoid the temptation to, to once we get done listening to this conversation and not do anything about it? Let's just get real because that's what we're facing. Yeah, it comes back to creating those good habits, right? Whether it's around your health, around your financial situation, around your values, you've got to create those healthy habits. I bring it back and I make it sound too simple probably, but I think it's having the system again around your values. Get your values clearly written, get alignment amongst the team, and then create that system. What is the way that we're going to bring the values up every day? I understand Dave Ramsey talks about it when he has company-wide meetings. He picks Mm -hmm. one value and he drills deep with that value. Mm -hmm. So do that or, or do what we do. Copy what we do. Take your values and review them at the beginning of every meeting of three or more people. And as you grow the company, as long as you're hiring the right people, it should continue to just multiply itself. Mm. But the minute you get lazy as a leader and you let people slack and you're not starting the meetings because, oh, we don't have time. It's going to take two minutes to review that. We don't have time for that. It's when you start slipping. I, I liken it to, this may sound like a weird analogy, but when you brush your teeth, mm-hmm. right? You can make them look really nice and white and shiny, just, just brushing the surface of your teeth. But over time, if you don't floss your teeth, what's going to happen? Gum disease, gum decay, disease. the whole nine yards. And what happens when you have gum disease? It affects other organs of your body. Yeah, absolutely. So it takes a little more time, a mm-hmm. little more commitment to get the floss out mm-hmm. and to floss your teeth. Mm. When you floss your teeth regularly, the dental hygiene is wonderful in your mouth, but also the hygiene in other parts of your body yeah. is healthy too. When we start getting lazy as leaders and we slack on visiting our values and, and living them and having, having the tough conversations too when we're not living them, because we're not going to sometimes, mm-hmm. we're going to have disease. There's mm-hmm. going to be disease in our organization, and we're not going to have the same level of profitability. In fact, we may not even live as an organization. So it's everybody that's listening, I know, probably doesn't always floss their teeth. Oh, I'm just so, telling you right now, we're all overcome with guilt. How many leadership <laughs> broadcasts will challenge you on values and leadership and flossing your teeth all in one conversation? I just like, do you guys have any floss in the control room? I'm going to floss as soon as the interview is over because I don't know that I flossed last night. <laughs> Full disclosure, but I think it's actually a great analogy. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it, it, it takes a little more time, right? It, but it really affects. But it saves everything. the health of your yeah. mouth. So, the last chapter of the book, you talk about how to incorporate the values. The question that's burning in my chest right now, based on our conversation so far, is the small business man or woman that's listening right now, and they know that they've not done a good job, even creating values that they could even answer the question. If I just say, tell me your top values, they'd stutter, right. they'd struggle. It's okay. It is okay. It's okay. No guilt. However, that's their reality. Right. Or they've got some values that have been nothing but posters in the lunchroom and nobody knows how they exist or where they exist. You get the drill. So when they start this process, I'm just wondering, because if we're talking about the value creation that we've been talking about here this can't just be changed overnight. They're going to have to really go, well, how does this value affect our business? And if you try to do seven or eight all at once, I guess I'm a little bit concerned that that may not be the right way to go about yeah. it. Agree, disagree? How I would should say, they go about it? Yeah, I say if you're feeling a, uh, a lump in your stomach right now, right. and you know what, I hope you are. I hope sure. the listeners and the viewers are because yes. this is about helping you be better. And, and that's a good thing. If you're taking this with the truth of where you're at today with the values in your organization, I'd still encourage them. They can invest in the book. If they don't want to invest in the book, they can go right to dinadwyerowens.com and, and download, it's so easy, the Create Your Culture Workbook. 
Say to your team, you know, we've not done a great job at living these values and I own it. As a leader, own it. What does that do? That creates trust with your team, right? It's like, oh my gosh, she's finally or she's yes. finally admitting yes. that we haven't done a good job with yeah, this. It's and a say, huge win. I need your help. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to do this together. Take your team and maybe you start with more of the core team than the entire company because the core team's got to really agree. Take your team through the, the six create your culture steps. And then, and then do what we do, gamify it, right? Then invite your employees to get involved. Make sure there's buy-in amongst the employees or, or it won't work either, yeah, right? Yeah. They've got to believe that That's right. leadership's really committed, yep. not just this is the next iteration yes. of that's, our values. That's exactly right. Yeah. Oh, boy, if you play the beep game, make sure that you don't have a bleep in there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It did not work out. Did you like that? I've been waiting for that. <laughs> I've been waiting for that to come out, and it came back to me. Perfect. The book is Values, Inc., How Incorporating Values into Business and Life can change, change the, world. the world. I love the subtitle. I don't think that's romantic. I think that I, is very practical. You've done a great job of it. You just spoke to our team. Yeah. How was what that? What a great team. Awesome. Aren't they a great group so, of people? Yeah, they were so engaged. Unbelievable. Yep. Well, thanks for hanging out with us. I know you're busy. you got a lot going on, but thanks for hanging out in our new studio, and I know our audience is better for it. Yeah, very cool. Thanks so much. All right, folks, hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dina Dwyer Owens. Again, I want to point out her book. If you're looking to make some real change that's tried and true, you want to check out the title of her book. It is, again, Values, Inc., How Incorporating Values into Business and Life Can Change the World. Well, folks, this is very exciting because I get to introduce the brand new Grand Poobah of Entree Leadership. <laughs> she is Sarah Sloyan joining me here in studio has taken over the VP role as Daniel Tardy has moved into another leadership role. Up the ladder, if you will, still very involved in Entree Leadership, but day to day, Sarah is running mm -hmm. the shop here and things have never been better. And I'm really excited to welcome you. <laughs> First time on the Thanks. old broadcast here. It is, yes. Thanks for having me. Well, we're thrilled to have you because <laughs> uh, I want to talk about a couple things. We, mm -hmm. we were talking earlier about the core values at Ramsey Solutions, something mm -hmm. that aren't just ideas on a wall yeah. here. These are yeah. things that live and breathe and really do guide us. Right. And there have been a couple core values that have really been instrumental in your growth here. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about those. So the first one is, it sounds violent, mm -hmm. but it's really not. And it's really great. And it's the idea of shooting sacred cows. Yeah. So what does that mean to us at Ramsey <laughs> Solutions? And then how has that manifested in your role here? Right, right. I think that what it means to us is to constantly rethink the way we do things. We as humans, I think, are creatures of habit. Yeah. And so we have to really sometimes, we talk about this with machinery, like recalibrate machinery, but we almost have to recalibrate ourselves sometimes mm -hmm. and stop and, and assess, okay, why are we continuing to do it this way? Is it the right way that we're doing things or do we need to, to think about that differently? So I, th I would say that's probably my best summary of yeah. what we mean. Do you look for opportunities to mm -hmm. shoot those cows yes. or is it something you have to be I, I think bit... sometimes I'm a little too enthusiastic about it, to be honest. <laughs> I think the team is like, if you could shoot less cows, right. we, we, we have right. enough beef in the yeah, freezer. Yeah. Um, it's, so... <laughs> it's not sacred. We actually need <laughs> because it. Because we actually like right. that cow. Right. It's a pet. Um so, yeah, I, I do look for those opportunities because I think that we can get in this rhythm and get too comfortable. And it's not that what we're doing isn't working. That is, I think, sometimes the misnomer about this is sometimes we're doing something that's working really well, but maybe it's not the best that it could be. Or maybe we're not, as the leader, looking down the road five years and saying, all right, well, this makes sense for today, but is this leading us to where we want to be in five years? And as a leader, you're the only one who can do that. You know, mm. there's not there's not other people in the office who are necessarily thinking that same yeah. long-term vision. 
I love how you defined it, but let's go a little bit deeper here for people mm-hmm. that are listening or watching. How do we begin to see, ooh, ooh I think this could be coming or it is, yes. it snuck up on us, it's yes. a sicker cow. What does that look like? How does yeah. the team and leadership act? And then you go, uh-oh, this is a problem. Yeah. It's never exactly the same each time. Right. So I, I, I wish I could give you like a standard scenario that it's like, well, you look for these warning signs mm-hmm. and you know you're there. I think this is where sometimes you have to be proactive about it. Sometimes it's obvious, right? Sometimes you're looking at it and you're like, okay, that is a problem coming. You know, I worked on our live event side forever and Dave Flat said, hey, I'm going to be traveling less. We knew in this amount of time Dave was going to be traveling less. We've got to get our act figured out and these events that are very heavy, Dave, we need to sit down and, and shoot the sacred cow of what's working, but we know it's not going to serve us in three years. And then sometimes you have to be proactive about it. It's not that there's a fire. There may not even be smoke around a situation. You need to just spend some time thinking about what are my long-term goals and is what I'm doing today going to get me to those long-term goals. And a lot of times, if you don't think several years in advance, this is a big ship. You can't just turn it in one day and make that happen. So you've got to carve out that time to do that. Mm. And I think that that can be hard um, yeah. because we're used to being busy and people need us and we got to talk about these things and there's all these tactical things that we have to knock out. So the idea of sitting down and making headspace to think about that and then to start mapping out like, okay, well, what does that then mean for year four and year three and year two? And then what do I have to do this year? What has to be true to get start getting me on that mm. path? The other core value that has served you very well is the self-employed mentality. Yes. You're such a go-getter. <laughs> so I'm not really surprised by that. But again... What does that look like at Entree Leadership? What are Mm. we looking for when we say, hey, we want you to have a self-employed mentality? Well, the reality is we've grown, and so we have a lot of people who are in specific KRAs. But if we focus just in our KRA, there's a lot of gaps that we're leaving on the table. And here's an example. We have our Entree Leadership Master Series. So if we said, okay, you folks on our team who are just in charge of event production, you are in charge of these 185 folks who are coming and you need to meet all of their needs, well, we're going to miss things that are needed. Whereas if we take all of our team and say, take off those KRA hats, and if you see something that needs to get done, whether it's for this event or whether it's not an event season and we're just in the day-to-day office, if you observe something that needs to get done, you just take care of it. You know, you act like the owner. If you were the owner walking through the parking lot of your office complex and there was trash on the ground, you would pick it up. Mm, You know, Um, you don't go, well, I think I pay somebody who picks up the trash, so I'm just going to leave that there and surely he will come along and pick that up. Mm. Um, So in practical ways, that has served me by just kind of the buck stops here, owning things, even when it's not necessarily listed out on paper as my KRA. Um, And I think that has served me really well in terms of training my team members. You know, there's a lot of things that I don't stress about because I know they are also thinking in that same mindset. So if there's something that maybe I haven't thought of or I haven't gotten to yet, I have 40 plus other folks who are thinking in that same way and can help me kind of fill that gap. Yeah, it's really an all hands on deck. It's that everybody's watching, everybody's monitoring. There's not going to be a problem (laughs) that just goes unsolved because like, well, that's not my Not my problem, right. We have these shared goals and we're all working towards that and we're thinking about those things. That's really good. Okay, so culture, culture, Mm -hmm. culture. I love love the culture at Ramsey Solutions as a whole, (laughs) but I really love the culture over here. Every time I come over here, and it's not in our main building, so yeah. it's I've got to drive. <laughs> I've got to drive for ninety seconds. Oh, or ride Donald's bus. Yes, it's so difficult. <laughs> but when I get here, it really is great from the look, mm-hmm. 
from the feel. Yeah. Um, I love when I stop by on Monday mornings every yes. once in a while, and I routinely will forget. I'll yes. come over here on Monday morning with, with something I've got to do. And I'll walk in, and mm -hmm. everybody is up from their desk. The powwow. The powwow is <laughs> happening. It's a big, gigantic yes. circle, and the energy's great. Yeah. And I know we've talked about this, mm -hmm. so that's why I'm leading you here. <laughs> you say that the weekly stand-up yes. on Monday mornings mm -hmm. is huge in developing culture. Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah, well, I, I think there's probably a couple different things we hit in that same meeting that are so vital to the health of our team. Mm -hmm. One is kind of a simple it's communication. You know, we talk about what's going on. Now that we've gotten so large, a lot of times our dev team is killing it over here in this area, but maybe our sales team doesn't know that they're working on this new exciting project. So it's a cool chance for us just to sit and talk about what are the, some of the things that we're working on that everyone probably should be in the loop on. And so that's a big piece of that. I also love the the celebration aspect. Yes. Um, I love fun. It's just in my yes. in my core DNA. So anytime we get to celebrate folks, of course, there's like life events that are happening. People are getting married, having babies. But then also the wins at work. You mm -hmm. know, um, somebody has broken their their new best sales record, or somebody over here just got this incredible feedback from a client on their coaching call. So a chance for all of us to get together mm -hmm. and celebrate that. A third thing is just reminding us of our why. So, you know, we had a guest speaker in the other day and he was talking about don't lose the poetry of what you do, the work that you do. Well, if I'm a developer and I'm, I'm coding all day, I might forget you know, yeah, what am I doing? Absolutely. What's the connection to the work? You know, I might, I might get lost in like, all right, I show up at eight, I do this coding and then I leave at the end of the day. But you almost can lose the poetry of these are people that we get to connect with and these are the exciting projects that we're working on that will then these people will use it to delegate better so they can go on a vacation with their family or mm -hmm. all those kind of things. So um, I would say those are three of the things that yeah. just make our stand-ups essential. I love it. Communication. Yep. Celebration. Right. And what was the last one? Remind them of their why. The why. There it is. So yeah. there you go. You can't say it any <laughs> better than that. Okay. So this is cool. Mm -hmm. uh, before I let you go, yes. we have our Entree Leadership One Day, which is yes. really a signature event. It's the playbook in one day. <laughs> and we're live streaming this event. Yes. Why would somebody participate in this? Because my goodness, we're practically mm -hmm. giving the thing away. Right. Right. Why should somebody yeah. get engaged with this? Well, I mean, you're kind of crazy if you don't. Right. I mean, it's very easy for us in a day-to-day -day basis to be stuck in this tactical bubble that we live in. And if you don't break outside of that, mm -hmm. and, and it serves two levels, right? For you to start thinking differently, for you to hear that information and go, man, do I need to reassess some of the ways I'm doing that? Or I think also you'll have some things that reconfirm why you're doing things yes. the way you're doing. But then two, why would you not sit down and watch this with your team? I mean, when do you take the time to invest in yourselves as a team and go, gosh, we never sit around and talk about culture. What did you guys think about what Dave said about culture? Or if you had to sit down and say how we did it as a team on XYZ, how, how would you say we're doing? What do you think we could do better there? When do you have those conversations in the day-to-day -day workplace? You don't. Mm. You're, you're so focused on your piece of the puzzle and, and tactically getting things done or thinking about the next thing. You don't pause and, and have those conversations. So. Very good stuff. Well, folks, here's the deal. This is the final opportunity to get in on this if you've been thinking about it. I've been telling you that it is such a great deal. $29. Okay, that's one, <laughs> one price, $29. And you can bring everybody you want to bring to it. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? I've told you to bring the mailman, uh, <laughs> bring your crazy Uncle Larry, whoever you want to bring. It's unbelievable. Here's what you do to get it. You text the phrase 
E1D discount, E1D discount, no space, E1D discount, text that to 33444. That's 33444, and everything else from there is academic. Walk you through how to sign up, and we'd love to see you there. I'm going to get to host that event, so it really <laughs> is a fantastic event. And uh, i got to say, if you ever get to an event or you get here to Franklin, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville, you got to come by and see and meet Sarah Sloane. She is a <laughs> ray of sunshine. She's far easier to look at than Daniel Tardy. I mean, we can all say that. And she's a great leader, really, really great lady, doing some awesome work and really proud of you. So Thank congratulations. You. Thank you very much. Absolutely. <laughs> well, hopefully you're gonna hear more and see more of Sarah. She's such a great leader. Really appreciate her stopping by to talk about a couple of key core values here at Ramsey Solutions. So since we've been talking a lot about values, the Entree Leadership Team has a great tool for you and it is called How to Create Core Values, Five Steps for Developing and Communicating Your Company's Guiding Principles. Now, this tool is gonna help you look at the entire list of our core values, just so you get an idea of what matters to us, how we worded them. This'll get your juices flowing as you hopefully sit down with your leadership, because we're gonna walk you through how do you then create your own. And then we're gonna recommend how to communicate your core values once you've come up with them or solidified them so that they become an active, living, breathing part of your company culture. So here's how you get it. Text EL values. That's all one phrase, no space. EL values. Text that to 33444. And we'll also have a link for you to this resource at entreleadership.com. Click on podcast and go to our episode show notes. Hey, Infusionsoft, as always, they've got some great, great resources for you. We bring them to you very, very often. And this resource is Supercharge Your E-Commerce Business with Marketing Automation. Now, again, folks, we live in a day and age where everybody's strapped. You have to constantly be communicating effectively with your customers and with your targeted customers, and marketing automation is the way to do that. In this guide to e-commerce marketing automation, they're gonna cover how marketing automation can help you grow overlooked revenue streams, why customer retention should be the main focus of your marketing strategy, how to grow your list to reach more customers with CRM, how to set up personalized and targeted email marketing campaigns, and as always, here's what I love about Infusionsoft, they give you examples of how automated marketing campaigns should be developed. It's great stuff, infusionsoft.com slash supercharge commerce. That's infusionsoft.com slash supercharge e-commerce. That's infusionsoft.com slash supercharge e-commerce. All right, folks, I wanna put a challenge out there. If you make a major change to your personal values or your company values because of this episode, we want to hear about this. This is not to pat ourselves on the back. We just want to know what kind of changes are happening in this specific area. And we want to celebrate your leadership. So email us at podcast at entreleadership.com. That's podcast at entreleadership.com. On behalf of Eric, the producer, our engineers, Will Rudder and Jim Babb, and the entire Entree Leadership team, thanks for listening. We'll talk with you again very soon.